The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing a series called What's Your Answer? Pastor John has been sharing a few different questions that we are going to be accountable before God when we go to heaven. And so just as a quick recap, the first question is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? And of course, the answer is, did you make Jesus your Lord and Savior? If you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, meaning that his punishment on the cross means that your sins can be forgiven. But there's two sides to that answer because there's not only did you receive Christ, but did you become like Christ as well? And so that's the second half of the answer. Did you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life that you would become more like Christ? The second question is, did you share Jesus when you had an opportunity to do so? We have a responsibility and accountability before God to share Jesus when there's opportunities around us. And I'm going to ask my wonderful wife, Amanda, just to come and share her personal testimony about this. How about you welcome her? She comes. Good morning, church. Just quickly, I want to give you uh, an example that I've had over the last 15 months because I don't know if you're aware of it, but a lot of our friends who don't know the Lord are on a spiritual journey. And I believe that we're in their world to be that light, to be that salt, to tell them about the Lord. I've uh, come to know my hairdresser really well. In fact, I love my hairdresser. I see him about at least a fortnight, if not weekly. Uh, my husband very much endorses this relationship. He uh, knows about it. He knows my hairdresser. And, uh, and I don't know about you guys, you know, it's hard to find a good hairdresser. I'm very particular. Well, we get on like a house on fire. I really like going to my hairdresser. And so because I see him often, I started to ask him, how is he, how's he going with his spiritual walk? What is his spiritual walk? What does it look like? And so often he'd tell me that it's the universe. And so one day I just said, that's enough. No more about the universe. It's not the universe. I said to him, it's Jesus. I said, Jesus created the universe. Jesus is the highest name above every other name. And I said, if you ask him into your heart, I believe you'd see a great difference. And he'd make a great difference if you would just invite him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And I even asked him there and then as he's dry, blow-drying my hair, can I, can I walk you through it? Can I pray with you? And he politely said, oh, not right now, but at home I will. So I said, okay, that's cool. Next fortnight I see him and I said, so how's it going with Jesus? And he said, Manda, every time now I think about praying, I invite Jesus into my heart every time. And he said even then he felt a tingle down his back as as he described it. But I said to him, see, Jesus makes a difference. Next fortnight, I said to him, so how's it going with your walk with the Lord? Are you inviting Jesus? Are you speaking with Jesus? Are you getting to know him? And he said, Menda, and he stood back from his blow dry, as he's blow drying, he stood back. He said, I don't want to admit it yet, Menda but I know you're right about Jesus. And so my encouragement today is do the journey. My responsibility is I'm praying for him. I'm regularly praying for him. I'm also speaking regularly to him. And thirdly, I'm inviting him to church. I'm always going to make an invite welcome to him. I'm going to say, come, come to church. I'm even a bit cheeky and say, when are you coming? You know that I can, Ross and I can pick you up any time. So I encourage you to be bold because people, I think, I believe, are just waiting for that invite. 
And I believe they're going to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. And I asked Amanda to share that story, not because her hairdresser said yes, but because she shared the gospel. She shared Jesus. And that's the accountability that we have before God. We do not control whether people say yes or no. In fact, that's not our job. Our job is simply to share the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people. And so that's the second question. The third question is, did you make disciples? When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, it was not go and make converts. It was go and make disciples. And discipleship is all about helping other people along their faith journey. It's about helping our brothers and sisters understand the word of God, encouraging them, encouraging them. No matter how far you are on your own faith journey, there's somebody that you can help on their faith journey. And we have a responsibility and accountability before God to make sure that we're involving ourselves in the body of Christ, being not, not isolating ourselves in our faith, but we're doing it together. Connect group, church. The fourth question was what Pastor John explored last week, which was, did you fulfill your life purpose? He used Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us, God created us to make a difference. And once you understand what God has done in you, it's then about what God wants to do through you. And Pastor John explored about, well, what does it mean to find your life purpose? And quickly, as a recap, he talked about submitting to God's will, finding out what God's will is and submitting to it. Then we talked about discovering your gifts and your talents, because what God has gifted you in is intrinsically linked to the purpose that he has for your life. The third one was about asking God for visions and dreams. And he encouraged us just before we go to sleep at night to say, God, Give me a vision for what you want me to be doing in this season of my life. Where are you taking me on this journey? And the fourth one was about looking for an open door. And we discovered how sometimes we can get really discouraged with all the closed doors, the opportunities that we thought were there before us, but the door closes. And, you know, we actually need to turn that on its head and actually see it as God leading us because a closed door is God saying, no, not man, it is God. And so we need to understand that the the closed door is a good thing, as is an open door, and and navigating our way through the open doors. And now the fifth question, which is what I'm focusing on today, is this. Did you use the resources God has entrusted to you appropriately? Did you use the resources God has given to you, entrusted to you appropriately? So we all have different resources. Our resources are like our gifts and our abilities, maybe the available time that we have, maybe our finances and possessions. Perhaps it's our influence, our our influence in our work environment, our influence at university, influence in our friends or influence in our family. Or maybe God has given you understanding and knowledge and wisdom. These are all the resources that God entrusts to us. And the question we're going to explore today was, What did you do with them? How did you use them? Did you use them for God's glory? He expects us to make the most of what we've been given. Fundamentally, God gives us opportunities. 
And we need to see every resource as an opportunity for the kingdom, for a kingdom purpose. Let me say that again. God gives us opportunities, and we need to see every resource as an opportunity for a kingdom purpose. I don't know about you, but I want to stand before the Father in heaven, and I want to hear him say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to stand before God with a clear conscience, knowing that he has gifted me in certain ways, and I want to be using them to reflect his glory, to honor him, to make his name great. And that is exactly what we're going to explore today. How do we ensure that we're using the resources that God has given us? And we're going to read a parable in the Bible found in Matthew chapter 25. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn there. It's also going to be on the screens. And reading from verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14 says this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Now, Jesus is telling a series of different parables. These, this particular series of parables, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying, The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag each according to his ability. Say, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Say, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and hid your gold on the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Forever who has been given, forever who has, will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Wow, might seem a bit heavy, but let's get some context. Some versions of the Bible 
translate the bag of gold to be a talent. And a talent is actually a weight. It's approximately 34 kilograms. So imagine one bag of gold being about 34 kilograms of gold. That's, that's a lot of gold in anybody's money. Somebody was telling me after the first service that in Australian dollars today, that's about 2 million Australian dollars. So one bag of gold, 2 million. 10 bags of gold, you do the math. Five bags of gold, sorry, you do the math. So he had $10 million. That's a significant amount of money. But the thing that we need to be careful of here and make sure is we understand that Jesus is using the bag of gold as an analogy. He's not just talking about finances. He is talking about the resources that are entrusted to us. Resources like our gifts and abilities. Resources like our time. Maybe it is our finances and our possessions. Maybe it's the influence that we have in our circle of friends or our family or our work or wherever we're involved. Or maybe it's the knowledge and understanding and wisdom that God has given us. But today we're going to learn some lessons from these servants about how do we use our resources? How should we be using our resources? And the first lesson we, learn, we can learn is this. We can learn from their ownership. We can learn from their ownership. In verse 16 it says this. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. You see, the first two servants, they took ownership of the money. They invested it as if it was their own. But the third servant only ever saw the master as the, ma- the money as his master's money. It says in verse 18, But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. When you and I take ownership for something, we treat it much more carefully, don't we? I remember when I was working in the steelworks, and the steelworks, obviously they make steel, and it's in operation 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And obviously there's staff there all the time, and they have a a rotating shift that happens there, and there's a day shift and there's a night shift, and different crews are operating at different times of the week. Now there was one particular crew that stood head and shoulders above all of the other crews in that particular part of the plant. And I remember talking with some of my peers about why is this so? Why is this one crew better than all of the others? Head and shoulders above them. And we realized it was the foreman who gave little mini projects to each of his crew members. And so to this crew member, he would give them a little project and say, I want you to work out how can we make this part of our process better? Or to this one, how can we make this part of our process more safe? Or how can we improve the quality in this particular part of what we do? How can we do things quicker, more efficiently? And so his whole crew took ownership of all of their projects. They treated it like their own little baby. They came to work going, I want to see how my project is going. Are things moving forward? What am I learning from it? And consequently, that crew, they were far better. Now, the other crews, yeah, they did the job and maybe their foreman wasn't quite so entrepreneurial and they they got things done. But it's because those guys, that crew, they owned what they were doing. It's a bit like a son versus a hired worker. Just imagine a family business. It's the son who has a vested interest. He wants the success of the business to prosper because he's going to be a beneficiary of it personally one day. 
But the hired hand, you know, hopefully he's going to give his best and he's going to do a great job. But at the end of the day, he's going to clock off and he's going to go home. He doesn't have the same vested interest in the family business. And we need to truly own the resources that God has given us, not be flippant with them. He has given them to us because he wants us to use them. As a side note, did you notice that when the master returned, all three of them gladly gave up what had been entrusted to them and gave more back to the master? They didn't hold on to what God had given to them too tightly. They were willing to give it up as well. So my challenge to you is this. Do you understand that you have to take ownership of what God has given to you? We need to take ownership of our gifts, of our time, our resources, our relationships, and leverage them for the kingdom of God. That's exactly what he expects of us. I want you to take responsibility for what, and use for God's purposes what he's given you. I have a friend in Wollongong. His name is Wayne. And uh, he runs one of those furniture clearance outlet stores. He owns it and operates it. And he, he models this principle so incredibly well. See, his shop is called Selfless, and the whole purpose of his business is not to put money in his own back pocket, but to be a blessing for others. And so first thing that he does is he employs uh, both Christian staff and non-Christian staff, and he employs the Christian staff so that he can build a great Christian ethic and Christian ethos into his business, and he can encourage them to build and invest into the lives of those who are not yet saved. Secondly, I know that he also gives some of the furniture away to charity. Not the old stock that he can't move, but the good stuff. He gives it away, so he's a blessing. I know that the the profits of his business aren't just so he can put food on the table, which of course is important, but so that he can be a blessing to ministries and give and supply and be a blessing. See, Wayne is gifted as an entrepreneurial businessman. He's gifted in negotiation. He's gifted in sales. But he doesn't use it all for his own profit. He wants to use it for the kingdom, for the purposes of the kingdom. And he understands. He owns the responsibility of what God has entrusted him with. And he wants to use it for God's glory. I think Wayne really... uh, really embodies Colossians 3, 17 really well. It says this, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what can we learn from the servants? We can learn from their ownership, but we can also learn from their opportunity. You see, all of the servants were given the same opportunity. They weren't micromanaged. The master didn't come back and check on them periodically. He simply gave them what he entrusted to them and went away a long time. Now the third servant, he didn't waste the money. He didn't go spend it on himself. But you know what he did do? He wasted an opportunity. He wasted an opportunity. You see, each of them were given according to their ability exactly what they were able to handle. Imagine the second servant who we often kind of overlook, but the second servant who was given two bags of gold. Jesus says that he was given according to his ability. So imagine what might have happened if, if he was given three, but he was really a, a two-bag kind of person, but given three. Do you think he would have been overwhelmed 
Do you think he would have been burdened and, and unsure? And sure, he might have given it a shot and tried to do, but he may have also failed at it. The reality is they were all given a large sum of money, up to 2 million, maybe even up to 10 million. They each had enough to start with. They each had enough to do something with. And I believe that God has given us seeds of everything we need to fulfill everything he has called us to do. Let me say that again. God has given us the seeds of everything we need to fulfill everything he has called us to do. Did you know that God has, has deposited within each and every single one of us at least, minimum, one bag of gold? Two million dollars. That's what it's worth to God at least. And we have a responsibility and an opportunity to use it for his glory, to use it for his benefit. Let's not squander the opportunity that is before us. Whilst the third servant may have looked at his portion and as too small compared to the others, did you notice how the master viewed it? Even five bags of gold to him was a small thing. It says in verse 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. To the master, five bags of gold, that wasn't much. But we need to see the value in ourselves. What we are given is relative only to ourselves. If you think the resources that are in your hand aren't grand enough, then I encourage you, you've just got to start where you are. Be faithful with what is before you. And God will give you bigger and better opportunities. You know, God might have a purpose for you. If you're at university and God's got a purpose for you to build a really uh, large multinational business that is a blessing to the kingdom of God across the earth, we all know that's not going to start the first week you finish university. But God has planted the seeds within you to start towards that. And as you start to use the resources... Your gifts and abilities will grow. As you start to use the resources, you'll find that the relationships and the influence that you have will start to build. The knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom, all these seeds will start to grow and you'll be in a place eventually where you can build that multinational company, where you can be a blessing across the globe. But we have to start with the seeds that God has entrusted to us. We need to make sure that we don't compare ourselves to other people because comparing will not serve you well. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says this, For we, did, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. The Apostle Paul is basically saying, if you think comparing yourself to somebody else is going to prove well for you, is going to serve you well, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. You're not wise. That is a not a good place to start. God has made you unique. God has given you at least one bag of gold. Start there. Start there. I love the story of Dr. Sam Chant. He was one of the speakers at the ACC National Conference earlier this year. And uh, he migrated from India to the U.S. to do Bible college in 1973. And being alone with no family to support him, he had to make ends meet himself. And so he started by uh, putting his hand up to be the janitor at the Bible college. And he also was the cook at the cafeteria. He was also the dishwasher at the cafeteria. 
He had to start there. And he finished Bible college and graduated and entered into the ministry and uh, took on a small church initially and grew that church and moved on to a larger church and grew that and, and moved on to a more influential church. And it was 16 years later that that same Bible college invited him back. You know what role they invited him back as? The president. He became the president of the Bible college that he started as the janitor at. And I think that's a great example of somebody who's started where they're at, used what they've got, was faithful with the little that they started with, and God was able to use it for amazing things. Amazing things. He's now a world-class international speaker on leadership. Phenomenal. Dr. Sam Chand. I want to encourage you to apply what God has given to you right now. Don't try to jump ahead of where you want to be or think you should be, but start where you are now. So the other thing about their opportunity is they were, both, they were all given the same amount of time. Verse 19 says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. You see, the first two servants saw the opportunity. And we don't know, but they probably weren't aware how long the master was going to be gone for. But regardless of the length of time, they didn't wait for the right season. They didn't compete with each other. They went straight away to use what they had been given. And I think, think the fact is that Jesus isn't saying, look, you've got to go double what I've given you, make 100% profit. I think the point that Jesus is making is they used what they were given. It's as simple as that. Start using what we've been given. So that's my challenge before you today. Do you see the resources that God has given you as an opportunity? Whatever you're good at. Consider it an opportunity to be used by God for his glory. I have another friend. Uh, he's a pastor down in the Sutherland area. And his wife is using her gifts in an incredible way. She's, uh, she's a nutritionist, but she's great at cooking and, and doing particularly desserts and chocolate things. And she just has this amazing, amazing gift. And sometimes when I'm bored, I will just sit and watch her video, video, videos on YouTube I have no intention of ever trying any of them, but they are, they are amazing. Because what she does is she, she makes these giant Kit Kats or these giant Hershey Kisses or these soccer ball-sized Ferrero Rochers. Like this is serious dessert stuff and amazing cakes and all sorts of things. It's just phenomenal. But she is using her gift for the glory of God because what she does is she gets the, 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 uh, the giant Ferrero Rocher and she finds somebody out in the community who's doing good things, who's serving, and she goes and gives it as a gift. And it's part of her video that she puts on YouTube. And people watch it. I mean, she has at least 2 million subscribers. 2 million people that subscribe to watch this woman cook a giant or create a giant Ferrero Rocher. She's had over 240 million views. 240 million. Talk about a platform. What an opportunity. And I love the fact that she doesn't miss this opportunity. At least every Easter and every Christmas, she interweaves the gospel message in there somewhere. It's a great platform that she has. Come, come Christmas, she's got you know little uh, gingerbread nativity scenes to tell the, the gospel story. At Easter, she's sharing messages of encouragement and reminding people of this is why we celebrate Easter. I think Anne is doing a great job using the opportunity that is before her. Too often we miss opportunities because we're not looking for them or we're not seeking divine appointments. 
where we can use what God has entrusted to us. So what can we learn from the servants? The first is this. We can learn from their ownership. We can learn from their opportunity. And thirdly, we can learn from their motivation. We can learn from their motivation. You see, each servant perceived the master according to their worldview of him. And each of them was actually correct. You see, the first two servants knew they were responsible and they saw the opportunity. Their motivation was to please the master, believing that in his pleasure they would be rewarded, that they would share in the master's happiness. Who wouldn't want that? Who would not want to please their master and knowing that they're going to be rewarded, knowing that you're going to share in his happiness? They were correct in their worldview of the master. It brings, great delight, it brings great delight to God when he sees us maximizing the resources he has given to us. We were created for his good pleasure. I love the story of Eric Liddell, who was a Scottish rugby union player and an athlete. He was a 100-meter sprinter. That was his thing. He was an amazing sprinter. But come the Paris Olympics in 1924, the heats for the 100-meter sprint were to be held on a Sunday and according to his convictions he refused to run the 100 meter race he didn't want to run on the Sabbath and so instead he opted to run the 400 meters the 400 meters is significantly faster if you've ever tried to run a 400 meter race at a sprint it is not easy it really is not easy I'm a terrible short short uh short distance runner. I much prefer longer distances. Medium distances I would struggle with as well. But he did the incredible. He gave up doing the 100 meters to run the 400 meters and he in fact won the gold medal. And he's a Christian man. He was also a missionary to China. He said this, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his good pleasure. Hey, God can use running for his purposes. We just have to make ourselves available. Understand that God is going to reward us when we use what he has given us. So the third servant, unfortunately for him, he had a victim mentality. And he viewed the master as a hard taskmaster. He allowed fear to paralyze his actions. And so what did he do? Nothing. His worldview of the master was also correct. Their perspective of the master dictated their course of action. And so my challenge before you today is this. What is your motivation regarding the resources God has given to you? Do you see God as the great rewarder that he is? Do you see God or do you see God as looking for opportunities to punish you or to to hope that you fail? Do you really think that God has put resources in your hands so he can just... Rub his hands like they're going, oh, I can't wait for them to fail. No. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to use them. I don't know about you, but I can easily take things for granted with the good at, for the things that I'm good at and the things that God has given me. I can take these things for granted. But as I read the parable before us today, I'm reminded that God has given me gifts and talents and opportunity and influence and finance and time and hopefully a bit of wisdom and understanding in there as well he's given me all of these things 
to use. And I would be foolish not to use them. I would be utterly foolish not to recognize them and not to use them. One day he's going to hold me account for how I've used the resources. Now, God doesn't expect all of us to give up everything we have and to go into deepest, darkest Africa and go and serve him in that way. You know what? I encourage you to start here. Now. We've been exploring five questions. The first question is about Jesus. What did you do with my son Jesus? God will ask. The other four questions, we could probably bundle them all together to say, well, once you found Jesus, did you allow God to use you? God created you and I for a unique purpose. And he expects us to use what we've been given. But we have an opportunity as a church, and I really want to put the challenge out to you today. Pastor John has been sharing over the last couple of weeks about a summer of harvest. A summer of harvest where we see 120 people won into the kingdom of God through the ministry of Life Source over these next four months. And that's a, that's a great goal. That's ambitious. That's audacious even for a church our size. And I want to encourage you guys. What's the part you're going to play in that? I believe absolutely that God has positioned you here this morning on purpose. I believe that God has given you unique gifts and abilities on purpose. And I believe that God wants to use each and every single one of us to see us see 121 into the kingdom, 365 one into the kingdom next year. And you might be there saying, well, you know what? I, I've tried before and it's failed. You know, we're accountable for God for applying what we've got, whether it fails or not. I believe that if we do apply it, God will cause us to exceed over time. But God has put before us this opportunity. Pastor John has put before us a challenge. And the challenge I want to put before you today is, what part are you going to play? Don't belittle what you have in your hand. Maybe you're a new Christian and you think, I don't know anything. Well, you know one thing more than somebody else. You know that Jesus forgives. You know that Jesus loves. Church, this is a great opportunity before us. Imagine this time next year, this auditorium is brimming with new Christians. Do you know what that means? It means we, we need many more discipleship groups. We need heaps of people to help Pastor Anne with the, the new Christians course and the Alpha course. We need more people to help on the stage, behind the scenes, in the kids' ministry. When Pastor John's been sharing this, this has just lit up my spirit in recent times. We need to be praying and I encourage you the same, just to pray to God for divine opportunities. Let Him do all the hard work. You just have to be the vessel that He uses once the opportunity is there. Never belittle the opportunities that you have thinking, nah, they're never going to respond. Amanda was sharing about a hairdresser. He, talks about the, he was talking about the universe. Amanda could have easily have thought to herself, this guy's not going to respond. He's, he's heads up out there but the name of Jesus starts to turn things around 
I want to encourage you. Let's not let this opportunity pass us by. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.